Welcome to the You Are Infinitely Loved podcast. I'm Sam. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Koos. We believe that loving yourself is the key to transforming every aspect of your life. And it's our hope that these conversations bring you one step closer towards embracing this truth. Hello and welcome to another episode of You Are Infinitely Loved. Today we are... And we're sticking on the topic of self-love, but kind of going off on a tangent. Mm, I love a good tangent. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Where are we going? Today, we're going to talk a little bit about how to give and receive feedback. Mm-hmm. That might seem like a very boring corporate talk, but don't worry, it's not. But I do think it's a really valuable thing um, when you're learning to love yourself and take good care of yourself. How you communicate with others is priority. It's really important. And so people who have high anxiety and depression typically are fragile and don't receive feedback well. Mm. And so as we're all growing and moving the needle towards health and self-love and compassion, learning how to give and receive feedback, I think is gold. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm excited to talk about this topic. Um, and we're going we're gonna to get to talk to Coos a bit more than we usually do in this episode, because Coos, I believe you were asked to give a talk on this, on this topic at your work. Is that right? I did. It was part of a way for us to build a closer trust relationship with the team. Um, I would like to give credit so to two other engineers that gave the talk with me, Valerie and Vera. Ah, they definitely contributed a lot to that talk. Shout so, out to Valerie. That is and a Vera. big shout out. <laughs> There's no plagiarism happening here. No way. <laughs> nope. <laughs> we give credit where credit is due. Um, so, well, I don't know. Do you want to kick us off, Chris? Like, what when when you think about the what the main takeaways were from that talk. What were the kind of helpful points around giving and receiving feedback? Well, let me give you a bit of context first. Please. Um, At work, we do quarterly check-in process where we evaluate how everyone did for the last three months, things that have gone well, that could have gone better, things they want to improve on, how they thought, you know, the team's doing and stuff like that. The other part of the process was that they also request peer feedback. Mm. Now, previously, they would request feedback by email from their peers, and then there's a Google form that gets filled out for them. And in the form, it says it's anonymous feedback. The good thing about anonymous feedback sometimes is that people can feel like they can freely share feedback without fearing any repercussion Mm-hmm. However, the downside of that is there's no ownership of that feedback. When I share that feedback, let's say you requested feedback from Lindsay yeah. and two other people, and I share them anonymously. Yep. You don't know who they're from, and I can't tell you who they're from, so you can't have any follow-up conversations on them. Mm. If they say, hey, Sam, you know, I noticed that you do X, Y, and Z, you should stop doing that. Yeah. Well, you can't go, hey, uh, so-and-so, can you give me any ideas of things that I should stop doing or start doing? There's no ownership of that. Yeah. Because of that feedback from some of the engineers about removing anonymous feedback, 
in December, we did a training called Radical Candor. Have you heard of Radical Candor? No, but I like that term. Radical Candor is actually a book written by Kim Scott. She used to work at Google ah. and she came up with this framework. Um, if you can imagine two axes, one is, uh, horizontal axis is for challenge directly mm -hmm. and vertical axis is care personally. Okay. Now with those two axes, imagine now you have a quadrants, four quadrants, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. To on the bottom left, it's called manipulative insincerity. Hmm. Okay, that's where you don't challenge Those are directly. people that you don't want to know, the, the <laughs> manipulative, insincere people. <laughs> it's where you don't challenge directly and you don't care personally. Uh, Those people are struggling with self-love, mm -hmm. compassion to them. True. Let's not judge them. <laughs> on the bottom right. But also wrong. <laughs> on the bottom right where you challenge directly but you don't care personally, it's called obnoxious aggression. <laughs> to say i think i have a word for those people but i can't use it on this podcast <laughs> but i like on, obnoxious aggression that that's kind of uh -huh. what i would have said on the <laughs> top left where you care personally but you don't challenge it directly Oof. it's called ruinous empathy Oof. that's like self-loathing <laughs> mm -hmm. and care then personally but you're not challenging it mm. on the top right where you do care personally and you challenge directly that's where you get the radical candor Mm. When we did the training, it's really, really funny. He, uh, the presenter shared an example and asked us to like do a, a role, role playing where, okay, if you're going to be ruinous empathy, what mm. would that sound like? So let's, let's play that. Let's say, Sam, you're about to go on TV. Yeah. A live right. TV <laughs> taping. Okay. And you have a spinach stuck on your teeth. Yeah. Lindsay, if you are in the manipulative insincerity, what would that look like? You don't say anything? Is that what that would look like? Like you don't yeah. care and you, you don't challenge, you, you just silently watch me go out and humiliate myself? I would say, hey, Sam, you look great. And then behind your back, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll say, that's even worse. And then I'll say, Lindsay, can you believe that she's going out there with spinach stuck on your teeth? Oh my gosh, that's the worst. We would never do that to you, Sam, ever. With Ooh. obnoxious aggression, you'd be like, Sam, have you looked at yourself in the mirror? Get your life together. <laughs> You've got spinach everywhere. <laughs> oh, wow. Ruinous empathy would be me coming to you and say, hey, Sam, I think you look great. Yeah, just just go out there. Why, meanwhile, your heart is breaking mm -hmm. for her inside. That poor girl doesn't know. And radical candor would be like what, Lindsay? You look amazing. You're going to do great. You might want to get the spinach stuck at, out of your teeth. <laughs> great. Yeah, something like that. I love it. <laughs> so those are those were the, the the four quadrants, and we use that when we gave the talk about giving feedback. We mm -hmm. use those terminologies, shared vocabularies with the team, mm -hmm. so that we're on the same page. We know when when we come up to you, someone, and say, "Hey, that feedback you gave me sounds like it's obnoxious aggression," or <laughs> like so people know what what that means. I love um, it. I would love to be able anyway. to say that to someone. By the way, <laughs> you sound you're not, like... You're obnoxiously aggressive. <laughs> you're obnoxious and aggressive. <laughs> yeah. So have you found since giving this... Like, 
I guess what has changed for you, if anything, at the workplace since since having this talk? Has it has it helped in the way that, or is it brand new and you kind of haven't seen any kind of results yet? Of it's it's actually been great. Um, we implemented the change this quarter. Some people have scheduled like in person, well, not in person, video call where they give feedback directly. Mm. With some folks, they they still prefer to submit their feedback through a form. Mm-hmm. Except now in the form, there's a checkbox that says, do you want this feedback to be given anonymously? And that's great because if someone says yes, it it gives us managers a signal like maybe we should talk to them as to why they feel like they want this feedback to be anonymous. Is it a Mm. safety issue? Is they don't feel safe sharing this or, you know, um, it's been good. We were also, you know, during the presentation, I think this is where it's most useful is that. During the presentation, we gave some framework framework on how to give feedback and how to receive feedback. Mm-hmm. So tell me, how do are we you do it for this? <laughs> to give feedback, there's a um, framework called SBI. Have you heard of that one? Oh my goodness! These co- I swear, corporate situation. There's oh. lots of frameworks and, yes. and acronyms and <laughs> situation, yeah. behavior, impact. You're very good at remembering this. Okay, situation, behavior, impact. Okay. Oh, this is helpful for all relationships. I can tell already. Yes, exactly. So it's not just a corporate thing. It's already there just in the three words. But anyway, please talk us through it. Without without the framework, you might give feedback that sounds like, oh, you are just so rude in that meeting. Yes. And that can come across as attacking someone's... Like, I would say aggressive, maybe obnoxious. Yeah. yeah. So with this SBA framework, it might look something like, you would spell out the situation, mm-hmm. the behavior you notice, and the impact. So situation mm. would be like, in the team meeting that we had earlier today, I noticed that you kept interrupting our colleagues when they're sharing their thoughts. Mm. The impact could be as a result, they might end up not, they might be not be willing to share that feedback anymore in the future if they keep on getting interrupted. Mm. That, so you're actually wow. talking about a specific action, not a like personality. Their, a personality <laughs> or, or attacking their core self. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing about giving feedback too is that you need to, before you give it, I feel like it's important to think about why you're giving it. If you're just trying to be right or mm. that you truly care and you're, you're wanting them to grow. Oof. Yeah. That's an important distinction. The ways I'm processing this is through, you know, the therapy lens, of course. Of course. But also through this lens of self awareness. Mm-hmm. And what we talked about last week, that self-attunement piece, mm-hmm. um, figuring out how do I talk with radical candor to myself? Mm. You know, can I use this in my relationship with myself, not just with others? I love that. Can I be kind and open, honest with what I am, um, where, I'm, where I'm at, what I'm wanting? Because um, I think about the times when you do beat yourself up and how unhelpful that is. Mm. I can't believe I went on TV with spinach in my teeth. Like, oh my gosh, I'm the. How could I be so dumb? Sam, right? my gosh. Why are my friends so I terrible? They didn't tell me, you know. <laughs> or you know, a lot of it for me is because I'm I'm pretty chatty. Is why did I say that? Oh my gosh, how did that leave my lips? Mm-hmm. You know, I can. In the past, I would beat myself up for how my words might have landed on someone else. Mm-hmm. And I think with this idea of radical candor, it could be more self compassion talk. Yeah, you yeah. know what, Lindsay, you could be, you could do a better job listening. You could slow your roll a little bit and it's okay. You're doing great. 
keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I have lots of thoughts on this. <laughs> of course, I always do. You but share. I, <laughs> I'm like, before I go into them, do we hear about receiving feedback first? Or do you want me to? Well, let me just wrap it up with the rece- receiving feedback and we yeah. can discuss it as a whole. Awesome. So I personally think that receiving feedback is probably even harder than giving feedback. Yeah. And the reason I said that is because when you give feedback, there's a framework. You follow a formula, Mm. situation, behavior, impact. Mm. Receiving feedback, there's not really a formula for that. Like Cry. (laughs) (laughs) Rock yourself to sleep in a ball in the face. Sam's got great ways to receive feedback. (laughs) I imagine that everyone hearing this is that of all the times you've received feedback, it almost felt like you were getting attacked. Mm -hmm. And guess what humans do when they feel like they're getting attacked? Defend. The natural response of getting attacked is our fight or flight response gets activated. Mm. We'll either get very defensive and fight back or we'll just tune out. Mm. We'll just not think about it and we'll just accept it. Okay, okay. And right. So that's why it's really, really hard. I would say that the two things that are very important to practice receiving feedback well is to adopt the mindset of humility and curiosity. Mm. Curious about what other people might think about you. Mm -hmm. Curious about what other growth areas you might have in your life. Mm -hmm. And to have the humility that you don't know everything and that you might have blind spots. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's really hard to do, right? Yeah. So those, I think once you have practiced that, there are some little things that you can practice when you get feedback. One of them being like the framework, the, the easy framework. I said there's no framework, but there's some steps that you can take. There's always a framework. First, you can, you can thank, thank them for oh. giving that feedback. Acknowledging that giving feedback can also be hard. Oh, yeah. um, because for the other person, they, they might feel bad because they don't want you to feel bad. Mm. So thank them for it. The second part is to repeat back to them what, what you, you think they said. Yeah. Because sometimes you you might be interpreting it differently than what they said. Yeah. Making sure that you're on the same page is very important. And then you can say, what else? Is there anything else that you mm. notice that I can improve on? Is there any more things? Is there more spinach <laughs> in my mouth <laughs> that Does I'm not seeing? my stink as well? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and then you can say, okay, in the future, do you have any suggestions on different things I can, I can do, different actions that I can take? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the, the receiving feedback part. I love this. So are you, re- are you ready for me to launch into my thoughts? Which aren't my thoughts, by the way. They're the thoughts of, of a brilliant, um, brilliant writer and coach and, yeah, a woman called Tara Moore. I love her work on, on feedback. And in particular, like listening to you now, I realize that most of her work is is around the receiving piece and how to receive mm. rather than give feedback. Um, and she wrote an amazing book called Playing Big. And she has a chapter in that book called Unhooking from Praise and Criticism. Um, but when she talks about praise and criticism, she is framing it in terms of feedback that people are receiving, particularly in the workplace. And what I think is really interesting, given what you've just said around, you know, how you receive feedback with, 
it's humility and curiosity, which I think is is beautiful and definitely great advice. She also kind of points to the like look at who is giving the feedback to begin with. If it's unsolicited feedback, maybe you do not need <laughs> to take this on board. Um, and basically she's like, look at feedback as giving you information about the person giving the feedback rather than necessarily giving you a ton of information about yourself. She's like, the feedback that you receive tells you what that person in that role values, what they need from you, where they think that you might not be, you know, meeting the mark or whatever. And she's like, but rather than take it as a personal attack, kind of take it as this is giving you some information about what this person values and what they need from you so that you can kind of, I guess, you know, depersonalize it a little. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it was interesting when you were talking in the beginning about giving feedback and this, this, issue of anonymous feedback I was thinking yeah I'm using her ideas if the feedback was anonymous then you can't do that like you can't make any judgment call about whether or not this feedback is relevant if you don't know who it's come from you know it doesn't give you any information about (laughs) you, you can't kind of make a judgment on what this tells you about the person giving the feedback if you don't know who gave it to you so interesting But she says, first of all, look at what is this telling me about this this person giving the feedback? Is this feedback that I need to incorporate? Meaning she looks at feedback as, you know, this is hopefully tactical information, like a data point that allows you to do your job better, to achieve the goals that you have in the role or for the company. And she's like, if the feedback is not that, like if it is not there to give you information about how you can grow and do better and achieve your goals she's like then maybe don't take that feedback on board because there are people just giving you know their opinions Mm -hmm. and giving you feedback to your point Chris that might just be doing it because they want to be right and not because it is in service of you and your growth and your ability to succeed and so I think that's important to remember like first of all not that we should be ignoring feedback, but do I need to incorporate this feedback? But then the piece that I found like the most interesting and the most, I guess, related to self-love, and this is so true for me, and I think probably true for everyone, is that she says, notice the feedback when it's negative, that hurts you, that really, that you take on board. And she said, because it will always mirror a belief that you hold about yourself. Mm. And we know this, right? She's like, If someone criticizes you or gives you negative feedback for something that you feel like you don't have a negative belief about yourself in that area, it doesn't stick. You don't, you just kind of go, oh, that's not, that's not who I am. Like if you're, for instance, like really, um, you know, both of you that you're really wonderful parents. So if I were to come in as a, as a single person with no kids and start criticizing your parenting, first of all it's irrelevant but you're not gonna you're not gonna take that to heart because I think you both know you're doing the best job that you can do as parents and and you're great in that role but if I were to come at you with a criticism around something that I know is a vulnerability for you it might really stick to you because it's mirroring what you already believe about yourself and I think that's where some epic kind of self-love work can happen is when you realize, oh, if this feedback is really hitting home, it's because 
I mm -hmm. believe this to be true about myself. Sam, thank you for not using an actual example and exposing <laughs> us. I thought about because it. Because I'm not ready to be. <laughs> and then um, I thought that would be, I don't know, what would that be? Awkward. <laughs> Manipulative, insincere. I'm trying to think of the words. <laughs> Rude. Obnoxiously. <laughs> What is it? Aggressive. And, uh, yeah, noxiously aggressive. <laughs> no, I think you're you're right on, Sam, though. Why do we hold what people say and think about us so close? Mm -hmm. And it's often because we either absolutely disagree with it mm -hmm. or because we absolutely agree with it. Yeah, you completely. Know? And so I would say, you know, if a close friend gives a feedback, I think what I hear a lot is, you know, you haven't been present for me, you mm -hmm. know, um, I, I've needed you for, you know, to be around and you haven't been there for me. Mm -hmm. I hear that one a lot or a fear of that in therapy a lot. Um, people feel like they need to be there for their friends and family and they haven't been able to because of just depression, anxiety, overwhelm, stress, work, all the things. Yeah. And so what they're feeling is I'm not enough. Mm. And so when they get that feedback, um, hey, we haven't seen you around. Where have you been? Mm. That hits that trigger point of I'm not enough. I'm not yeah. doing enough. Yeah. And that one is, uh, is a really, like, if we want to talk about honest examples, that's one that I experience that I know, mm -hmm. uh, that I'm not, I haven't been able to be present enough for, for certain friends of mine. And because I already, be, I'm already aware of that. I'm already feeling a, a, like a sense of guilt around that. So when that's brought up to me, it absolutely like it mm -hmm. really hurts and it because I know I know there's part of that that's true and there's as you, as you say there's a reason for it you know there's right emotional bandwidth at a time like this and we all have our own struggles that we're dealing with but there's it's very hard to hear that because I certainly you know I'm aware that, that so your first thought when yeah your first thought when you might hear that isn't well, I'm trying my best, you know, I'm, I'm doing my hardest to be all the things to all the people, you know? Yeah. Instead, it's, I'm a failure, I'm a loser, I'm a jerk, you know, whatever it is, that can be the first thing that pops up. Yeah. And so the self-compassionate, the self-loving voice might challenge that, you know, I'm doing mm -hmm. the best I can. I, I have disappointed people, but I'm not a disappointment. Yeah. And I think that's like the sentence you said there is just the most helpful thing to remind us of. And I know that Brene Brown talks about that, but it's an affirmation that I give to my clients all the time, which is I'm doing the best that I can. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, because it, it brings in this, that element of, of context and, and what's going on. And it might not be, you're doing the best, but in any given circumstance, given everything that's on your plate, all you are doing is the best that you can. Right. You know, and that comes from a place of compassion and, and pride, you know, mm -hmm. with what I have, the tools I have, the time I have, I, I really am doing the best that I can do right now. I'd like to do better, but I'm going to need some more support and tools to get to that next, that next space, that next level. Mm. And so it offers a way to improve the situation, improve the relationship, improve the self-talk without drowning first. Yeah. And I'm just thinking like for anyone listening, maybe that is the best kind of practical tool that they can use is that, is that self-compassionate voice. But yeah, what other things that can, can pull us out when we feel like the feedback that we've just received is, yeah, when, when we start spiraling into, 
into this place of of self-loathing and oh my goodness I'm not enough I'm not I'm not good enough I guess it is just Hmm. yeah self-compassion that's the only one that's it that's it your only one tool (laughs) (laughs) self-compassion I jokingly call it the you know a magic pill though it's Mm. one of those things that when you change your voice to become more self uh compassionate the way you talk to others Mm. it is such a game changer yeah, it really does. It does move the needle quite a bit. And I think the 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 objection or the fear that I hear people talk about is that they feel like if you're self compassionate like that, are you just letting yourself off the hook and never taking responsibility, right? And I think mm-hmm. I I don't think so. I think there's a place for self compassion, and I think definitely self compassion will help bring us out of that emotional spiral. Yeah. And then we can get to a place where we're feeling more neutral about things. We're not in mm-hmm. attack mode. We're not in that, you know, because mm-hmm. self-attacking thoughts also take us into that same place you were saying, because that fight or flight or freeze, like that sympathetic nervous system is activated if we attack ourselves with our own negative self-talk and our negative thinking. So I think the self-compassion brings us out of that space to a place where then maybe we we can have that more that approach of humility and curiosity and be like, is this piece of information that I've received something that I do want to incorporate and work on and and can I do better? But not from a, I'm the worst, <laughs> like I'm such a failure as a human being and I'll never get this right. But uh, yeah, I'm doing the best that I can, but is there something that I can can change or incorporate so that, you know, so that this doesn't happen in the future, for example? I know in a previous episode, we've talked a little bit about like the good coach, bad coach, you know, um, I'm using like a sporting coach as an an example, and I know zero things about sports. So the irony is not lost. Well, we've watched Ted Lasso. We know everything about sports. This is, I was actually going to bring up Ted Lasso. It's perfect. perfect. I do think when we are engaging with a really intense, unkind, demanding coach, Mm. We might obey or try out of fear, but it's going to be short-lived. It's not sustainable. Mm. On the flip side, we have a coach that acknowledges the truth of the situation Mm. and gives us an idea or a plan or suggestions on how to move forward positively. Mm. We'll work so hard for that kind of coach. And Ted Lasso is the most brilliant example ever. I wish he was a real coach in real life. If anyone has not um, seen this show, please. I mean, mm. stop listening to our podcast and just go and watch Ted Lasso. Immediately. <laughs> it's like a show on, oh my gosh, it's so wonderful. And talk about it, a self-loving, kind human being. It's wonderful. Right. And I love that he is honest and real with the what's going on mm. with the team and their challenges. And he also offers them a different way. Well, you know? I reckon he, he's done the radical candor training. <laughs> Absolutely. Did you see him on that call? No. Was he there? (laughs) I think often there are these skills like self-compassion, maybe skills is the wrong word, but self-compassion, kindness, that I think people get into the mistake of thinking they're like soft and yeah, and Mm. too gentle and almost like this passive thing. And actually self-compassion and kindness, they're, they're, active like they're 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 things that it's it's not a soft skill it's like a hard thing to practice and it doesn't make us apathetic and it doesn't make us just sit back and be like oh I'm just gonna be kind to myself and not do anything like it 
it's the it's the opposite we really do become the best versions of ourselves when we treat ourselves with compassion and kindness and so for anyone that does have that kind of cynical oh I don't know that just sounds like Mm -hmm. yeah I'm I'm being way too gentle and it's Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. no it's actually a really difficult thing to practice and and you do when when you have that beautiful lens towards yourself it gives you the space to then say you know what I can do better I can Mm -hmm. improve I can make changes because if I again when you know that you're going to treat yourself with compassion and kindness no matter what then then it allows you to try these new things and to try to improve knowing that if you fail or if you don't meet the mark it's okay (laughs) you can Mm -hmm. still come back to treating yourself with compassion and try again Sam I think you are spot on with that I think the self-compassion tool is the power tool in the toolbox. I don't think it's this, you know, it's not the cuddly um, lovey that you're going to, you know, cuddle at night to make you feel better as you're rocking yourself to sleep. (laughs) But it really is the, it's the power tool that we're unaware of. We don't realize it is the jackhammer that breaks up the cement around our belief system. Oh, I love that. It's so true. And I know that, you know, when I when I used to give that my talk about self-love and I've broken it down into 10 components and I know we've briefly talked about them on a on an old episode. Um but I used to, you know, it can be overwhelming for people when they hear, "Oh my goodness, there's all these different components to self-love." And whenever I would I would give that talk, I would always say, "Look, if if some of you are sitting there and realizing that you know, you need to work on all 10 of these things because you're really in a place of not having a lot of self-love and you're wondering where to start. I always say, like, if you have to pick one out of the 10 and throw the other nine out, pick self-compassion. Because for me, that is the, it's the ultimate. It's exactly what you said. It's the power tool. It's, you know, it incorporates so many of the other components within it. And I just think, yeah, it's something that if all of us approached ourselves with with self-compassion, my goodness, you know, that is such a tool right now for, for resilience, for allowing Mm -hmm. us to bounce back and to get through. I don't think you can be a resilient human being without, without having self-compassion. Absolutely. I would say even as further evidence, think about how your body shifts, how you're physically feeling in your body. When you go from a place of, I should have known better. I should have done better. Why am I so stupid? You can almost feel the tension in your body just tightening and squeezing. Mm-hmm. And if I then say, um, you're doing the best you can, you keep showing up, you don't give up, I'm proud of who you are. Yeah. That feels like a breath. That feels like an inhale, softening things mm-hmm. up, you know? So and true. so to kind of let your body take the lead on this, when you notice your body tensing up um, because of the way you're thinking, the thought patterns are popping up, that's your sign. This isn't a good fit. This isn't going to help you run faster and further in the game. Yeah. It's going to slow you down and zap your energy. So, but instead, right. Like instead this energizing boost of you didn't do that well, that's okay. Mm. You can do better next time. And here's how, right. That gives you energy. Yeah. And for anyone wondering, you know, I mean, everything that you're saying is examples of, of, self-compassion you know you're doing the best that you can I'm proud of Mm -hmm. you but for people that might be listening and thinking you know they're they're maybe not spending their whole lives obsessed with self-compassion like like we are (laughs) like how can I practically you're saying it's the power tool but how do I practice Mm self-compassion I would say um first of all the number one way that you practice self-compassion is 
you treat yourself like a best friend. You ask yourself, Mm -hmm. what would I say to my best friend in exactly the same circumstances? Mm -hmm. That's how you find the compassionate voice. You know, that's where you can come up with the, you're doing the best that you can. I'm so proud of you. Like you can try again, all of those kind things. It comes from imagining a friend in that situation. Like that's the quick hack into self-compassion. And, and I guess that the expert on self-compassion is Kristen Neff. And so for anyone that wants more, like very, very practical tools on how they can be more self-compassionate, her website, which is selfcompassion.org is just full of really cool, free, helpful tools and, you know, treat yourself like, like your own best friend is one of her tools. I mean, she's not the first person to say that I'm sure, but yeah, there's, there's other suggestions on there. So for people that are like, yeah, it would be nice to be self-compassionate, but what is that? You can check out her work because it's really, really helpful. So Coos, is there anything else that you, I don't know, that you want to say or add or anything that came out of thinking about this feedback piece and the talk that, or do you feel like we've covered it all? Well, I think it still all boils down to self-compassion because giving and receiving feedback are hard and you will make mistakes mm. and that's okay. Yeah. And you just keep learning from it. Mm. Like either giving feedback to other people or we've been talking about you know, our own self-talk. Mm. It takes practice. It's not just a, a one-night thing and then you're great at giving positive self-talk, mm. right? Just give yourself a lot of grace. You try to be better at loving yourself. Aww. We could all be better at loving ourselves, I'm sure. <laughs> Thank you so much, Coos, for sharing. We got a peek into the corporate trainings that I are have happening now in the now world. in my head. <laughs> yeah. No, you have SBI, I've got frameworks. I'm going to be taking all mm-hmm. this with me. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that SBI piece just before we go is, you know, it's similar to, it's almost a different version of, um, I'm thinking of the Gottman therapy work where they talk about, you know, basically like not criticizing and attacking your partner, but saying in this situation, like when this happened, it made me feel, you know, I think that's just a really helpful way to communicate with everybody in our lives, you know, whether it's our partners or our kids or whoever to, to not go into a, you're this and you're that, but, uh, this particular behavior in this situation had the impact of this. Like, I think obviously corporates like to give beautiful little acronyms and frameworks and, but I think it's a, it's a helpful thing that we can apply to all of our relationships. Absolutely. So thank you everyone for listening to another episode of You're Infinitely Loved. We, yeah, we're really thrilled to be back with you and we cannot wait to bring you another episode next week. Thank you for listening to this episode. Our hope is that each day you feel more connected to the knowledge that you are infinitely loved. If you want to continue this conversation, you can find us at yourinfinitelyloved.com.